I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watched Christopher Nolan's latest release, Tenet. And I shall be with What? Oh, nothing. <laughs> All right. Let's hop in that turnstile and head backwards to a conversation that has already happened. And is also <laughs> about to happen. Uh, yeah. All right, let's jump in, sleepyheads. I guess we should talk about Tenet. <laughs> We've been talking for like a half hour. Don't want to talk about the movie. Uh, I, it's so funny. I saw Tenet. Tenet was a fun movie going experience for me the first time I saw it because it was in this weird little three or four week window in our county back in August, September when movie theaters were actually open again. Uh, it was like late summer COVID cases had gone down and so movie theater started opening. I saw Tenet and then I like flew to Ghana two days later mm. and, and like I had a good time. I mean, we'll talk about the movie, but, um, so I saw it, I was like a, and that, but I, I, I don't know, I had weird feelings about it. And then I came home and it, you know, a few months later it was out on digital and I watched it again. And, um, I don't know. I, I liked it a lot more the second time. And then, right. um, kind of re I remember I, Yeah. So your letter box. Yeah. And then, uh, revisiting it this week, I'm like kind of blah about it. <laughs> Well, do you want to set up as we as we jump in the kind of, kind of the the set the stage for the drama behind this movie and why? Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of the surrounding like the surrounding conversation, yeah, kind of the meta conversation about the, its release and all of that. So yeah, this is a big. Yeah, this is Christopher Nolan, and when Chris Nolan makes a movie, it's it's uh, aside from a superhero movie. This is the biggest kind of event movie that exists at this point, really like a Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think even bigger because, because yeah. Tarantino is, is going to do well, but he's Nolan has a wider audience. Yes. It feels like, yes. um, and, and, and even I, you know, like there are still some people who see a Tarantino trailer because I worked with him. Uh, <laughs> and we're like, uh, it seems weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the the Nolan the Nolan stuff and it's funny because I mentioned like you know aside from superhero movies this is about as big as a movie event can be nowadays and even though it basically is it's basically movie. is kind of superhero stuff and Nolan really became Christopher Nolan doing the Batman movies doing the Christian right. Bale Batman movie so Dark Knight all those um, and so Tenet was uh, just a huge production of a movie um and and i mean this is going to be the sum, the the you know the movie of the summer great timing for warner brothers because even if the pandemic happened marvel didn't have a lot on its slate because everything had wrapped up the year before with endgame and they were just kind of slowly on you know going into um 
this new phase. And so Tenet was going to be a big deal. It was supposed to be like last July or something. Or, um, and then the pandemic started and all of these, um, all of these, all of these summer movies started getting pushed. And the very first domino to fall was no time to die. The James Bond movie that was supposed to come out last April, it got pushed all the way to November. And I remember thinking then, Oh, this is crazy. And, uh, no time to die, by the way, still has not come out <laughs> and is right. not coming out until this fall. Within a week of the no time to die announcement, um, the Fast and the Furious movie, what is it, the 10th one? I don't even, I don't know. Or is it the ninth one? Have you ever seen a Fast? No. I've never seen a Fast and the Furious I, movie. I've seen, I've seen a, a Tokyo Drift race on cable <laughs> while waiting for like seinfeld to start on tbs it's crazy i feel like i've seen the most of any of the movies i've seen is tokyo drift like in a waiting room somewhere yeah exactly (laughs) um i'm sure that's the best one uh, must be if that's why it's on cable so often uh, okay fast nine right people are start shrieking at the the ignorance they're hearing (laughs) so fast nine gets postponed an entire year uh, which w- was like crazy. It's like, oh, geez. And Warner Brothers never said anything about Tenet. It was like kind of later in the summer. And I think they were hoping it would, you know, everything was going to be calmed down by then. And I mean, we were, I mean, it was like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then it was like, oh, it's been pushed back just 30 days. And this was also at a time where studios were making decisions between pushing back movies six months or a year versus just releasing them digitally and hoping they were going to make some some semblance of money through digital release um or the like the the thing that warner brothers did in in late fall after tenant is released with all their stuff is for 2021 they said you know what we're gonna do date day and date release for all of our movies in theaters and on hbo max right which is like was was a huge deal that i mean that was a big announcement when that happened um and and there's still even been just even in the news this week kind of fighting over what's happening with dune which is kind of this big sci-fi epic that was supposed to come out the end, right. of, la- end of last year this denny villain new movie with timothy chalamet i mean a huge cast and and there was some contention over like they didn't they really didn't want it to just go to hbo max on the day of like wonder woman did right. on christmas so and dune has some some cursed history doesn't it he, well yeah <laughs> Um, and Chris Nolan, I mean, he, he is, and he always has been, so this is one of the new thing. He's a very big proponent, proponent of the, uh, theater going experience, um, particularly in the size and scope of his movies. He does a lot with IMAX and it's not just that he, you know, it's not just that his movies play on IMAX screens, but he shoots with the IMAX cameras and really designs particular scenes and sequences uh, for the IMAX experience. And if you if you right. if you notice, you'll actually see in some of this stuff the aspect ratio will change when it's like kind of the IMAX camera stuff. Um, mm. And so Chris Nolan's like, I nope, this is going to be Tenet is going to be the movie that is going to reopen and save movie theaters in America, basically in, 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 right. in spite of the pandemic and you know, the pandemic killer. Yeah. He was not going to let Warner brothers release this to digital and it had to come out. I, I don't know. I've, I had heard some things that the way these studios and their budgeting works is like, they have so much debt in, in the budget of these movies that right. they, 
that they really can't you know hold on to all of this debt for so long without just releasing them and try to make making their money and right. and, and tenant being this 200 million dollar plus budget movie um you know needed Good Lord. i know it's crazy um you know, with something that, that kind of needed to make some money for them. Um, He's like, I have to fly a real plane into a real building. No, no. It's not just that he had to crash a real giant plane into a hangar. It's that it was cheaper to do to buy the plane and blow it up than it was going to be to do the special effects for it. What? Yes. Did you hear that? No. It was going to be cheaper to buy the plane and uh and and film it really blow and it up. really blow it up than it was to pay for all of the special effects wow. i don't know how any of that works so right. i'm gonna you know um whatever yes here uh instead of using miniatures and visual effects for the plane crash sequence nolan determined that po- pur- purchasing a boeing 747 proved more cost effective <laughs> i love that he determined that. <laughs> he's like no seriously guys oh that's great and dumping gold bars yeah that, that's a moment right there when the gold bars are flying out of the it's airplane. like hey warner brothers here goes your money uh so tenet comes Thank out covid it gets ended up gets delayed just a month or so comes out like late august first of september something around there 2020 and basically is not the salvation of movie theaters that everyone right that warner brothers and chris nolan was hoping it would be um it, it did okay like if, if it flopped in in terms of the expectation yes yes absolutely um and because and, and i think the movie is ill-served by that conversation um like it flopped because of covid yeah oh it like it, every it would have destroyed yeah um, and at that point in the pandemic, things were pretty, things were okay overseas, especially in China. So I think it did really good business in China. Um, and uh, China. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm watching the plane crash right now. Boom. Uh, Why does, it's, well, as I'm watching it right now, one wing exploded before I, it even went into the building. It's got a big engine on it. The engines explode. No, but it didn't hit the building yet. I, know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's like we got to make sure that wing goes too. Yeah, right now, according to Box Office Mojo, Tenet is um, three three hundred and thirty six million dollars in business. So it it made over one hundred fifty million more than its budget. Um, so it, they probably broke even on this, but that was not the intent. That was not the goal. It's supposed to be um, ball. Or yeah, money. this is supposed to be something insane, and. And and I think the movie's ill served, like I said, by the the uh, the production and the release conversation around it. I think if it just that without the pandemic, it would have done great business, and we would have all kind of been like, yes, this is another Christopher Nolan movie. What do you want? Right. Like, but so what? But even that, for some people, another Christopher Nolan movie is is like the movie that is going to be memed on and obsessed over yeah, for the next five I, years. I want to talk about that. I remember. I'm going to ask you, so you've seen Inception, right? I've seen Inception. Okay. I think I've only seen it once in theaters. So Inception, I think, was was a big deal, kind of what it, Inception to me feels like the movie that is quintessentially now what people refer to as a quote, unquote, Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my favorite is The Dark Knight. Um, 
And those movies really kind of stand on their own to me. But mm. like Inception is like, this is crazy. And he's, you know, he's just, oh, this, this is so creative. And the science fiction. And the, the hallways rotate. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so I didn't see that the summer it came out. I was overseas that summer. And mm-hmm. I heard about it. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you got to see it five times to really understand it. And (laughs) I remember walking out thinking it wasn't confusing. (laughs) But the only reason I was thinking that not to be like pretentious or like I'm smarter than everybody is because so many people said beforehand, like, oh, dude, your brain is going to be you're going to have a headache walking out of this thing. That was how I felt was everyone's like. You have to see it so many times to understand it. And I remember, like, I don't know, it must have been a year later. I was, I, I, I had a DVD of it or something. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like midnight. I had like finished like a paper for college, and I'm like, I'm gonna start this movie. And I watched the whole thing, and I had no problem understanding it. You're like, and, <laughs> and again, not. It's not an arrogant thing. I don't mean that as a pretentious thing. I, I just was like, oh, okay. I mean, I think I understand it. And, and I don't like, there are parts of that. If you think too hard about it, it's like, oh, this is a plot hole. And this is like a confusing thing. Right. Um, Right. I rewatched it last year and I thought it was enjoyable. And I do think the visuals are cool. Right. But like they create dreams. It's all nonsense. Like he can do whatever he wants. I don't care. Um, And I, I'm, you know, it's fine. I go with it. Um, But what about this movie just captured people? I don't know. That's I don't know. Because then the thing I feel like the same thing happened with Interstellar, which I did not see. I don't have anything against it. I just never got around to seeing it. Yeah. But that that was the talked about for the next however many years movie. I feel like. You no. Know, uh, yes. Um, like there's this cult, there's this cult of Christopher Nolan. But then it's funny because Dunkirk didn't get that much conversation. But I like Dunkirk more than. Yeah, Dunkirk is my favorite. Tenet. More than Inception. Yeah, Dunkirk is than... far and away my favorite thing he's done beside The Dark Knight. Um, right. I really like Memento. Yeah, I like Memento I, I, too. I haven't watched it in a few in like years, so maybe it hasn't aged well. But yeah, Dunkirk, Memento, and Dark Knight are my three for him. I mean, in all of these things, right, they're all, even Tenet, Interstellar, Inception, um, uh, Dunkirk, every one of them, and Memento, every one of them, Christopher Nolan has been has been interested in stories that are concerned about time and how we right. play with time and how we conceive of and construct time. So Tenet is not a new thing for him. It's new in, in the approach. Um, right. But the, it's also like the stakes are not new. Like the world could end. Right. That's that's what Interstellar is about, you know. Um and so it's it's a grand movie, you know, and and that's where he's at. You you look at Memento; it's a small budget movie, but right. it is at you know it's very complex in its storytelling and it what it's concerned about about uh, narrative structure and time and all of that. And now he just has all the money in the world to play with. Um, right. I was. I feel like the um, the crux, the thesis for this movie is in the beginning when the scientist girl who um, was in the Harry Potter movies, Floor. Yes. Um, when she is, like, explaining the concept. And, okay, my biggest problem, I'll just say outright with this entire movie, is not even the, like, confusing plot line, but the expository 
a never ending expository dialogue where just like the entire movie is them explaining like physics of why this could make sense or, or like, Oh, that's the grandfather theory. Let me break that down. And it's like, like when she at the scientists explaining it and it's, it's confusing and she's trying to explain how the bullet is inverted. And then she says, don't think about it. Just feel it. I'm like, if you would have stopped trying to explain it at this point and just like, and it just be action set piece, action set piece. Yeah. Yeah. I would have enjoyed it a lot more, even though I don't get it because I, I don't think that the, cause that was the biggest complaint with the movie. I don't think the vast majority of people are just stupid. No, I think that it's not laid out clearly. It's not being communicated well. And that's how I feel uh, is the difference between this and some of his earlier work. So, so right. like, I, I think, let's talk about Dunkirk for a second. Dunkirk has this interesting structure, and it's more straightforward, but does have an interesting structure where you're basically saying seeing the same event, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, the, 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 the guys, you know, evacuating the ships and the beach, that takes place over a couple of days. Then you have all of the, the, the you know, non-professional soldiers coming in their ships. That takes place in a day. <laughs> And then mm-hmm. Tom Hardy in the plane takes place in an hour. And right. so he's, you know, kind of, um, you know, exploding layering out those. and layering these, these, you know, these things over, over the same then 90 minutes of a movie. Um, right. And if you don't understand that at all, I don't think that takes away from the movie. You, you don't suffer. No. Yeah. Um, the movie doesn't suffer for it, but I also think he puts in enough that if you do pick it up, pick up on it, it's interesting and extra, extra rewarding. And everything is very clear, um, from start to finish. I mean, and, and there's not a lot of, not a ton of dialogue in that movie. Uh, right. He doesn't need to explain anything. And, and then, and then you have a movie like inception, which does have a lot of exposition because they're creating, you know, basically entire branches of science out of you know whole cloth of like dreamscapes right totally but i do think it's a more clear movie right 100 percent. I, I i think he does a good job um in terms of visuals like everything it's like very clear like oh when mm-hmm. it's the snow snow land we're this deep into it and when it's this we're you know um right. and and then even memento which Maybe the most, you know, kind of complex or ambitious thing where the movie is uh, uh, folding in on itself, right? And every other right. scene is is coming at it backwards and forwards. Okay, like Memento's so great, but <laughs> the fact that he pulled it off, but he does pull it off. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. He pulls that he, off. He pulls it off in a way that you, like, like. Okay, so what I experienced early on with Tenet yep. is is. Like here is murder a mystery. Here's a murder mystery, and they're giving clues. But my sense is that these clues will add to nothing, and I'm just like frustratingly trying to put them all together. Or it's like a jigsaw puzzle where the pieces don't match at all, and you spend like your whole life trying to put it yeah. together. But Memento gives you clues, and then and then satisfies some answers, yeah. or at least you think, and then gives you more clues, and then like switches those answers yeah. around. And at least there's a sense of your your you're finding things out and you're understanding it quickly and you're getting to enjoy it because you're understanding it. Yeah. But this, when you don't understand anything because, because it doesn't make sense, like your brain is constantly trying to understand the new okay. concepts of, yeah, I got a question for you. 
Yeah. You talk about Tenet as this kind of murder mystery kind of thing. So, um, and and that presumes then that there are things that are revealed later in the movie that mm-hmm. are like surprising or, or 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 at least resolving, right? Right. Um, so I I think one of the big, it's not a twist, uh, but one of the big kind of um, reveals is um, or shifts in the movie is when he goes through the turnstile. And mm-hmm. then um, is kind of re-experiencing all of this stuff, going in the mm-hmm. opposite direction, and then right. and that I think climaxes in the scene at the Freeport um, where he's running up and down the hallways fighting himself. Right. right, and so you've seen him do that earlier in the movie, and mm-hmm. you didn't know who the who this person he was fighting was, and right. then. Now you get to this point and it's like, and, and like, it's not a big guess. I mean, like, right. When you, the first, that first time that, that sequence shows up in the movie, did you kind of have that guess? Um, when, uh, Robert Pattinson's characters said something like, Oh, I took care of it. And like, was purpose. It's like, okay. Yeah. What's going on? So how was that when that was like, Oh, this is what it is. And he was fighting himself. It wasn't satisfying at all to Mm. me. Because I, I like, like, to what end is that important? Yeah. Or, like, I mean, people are, I mean, maybe people have answered this in some YouTube video of, like, a hundred things answered. We, we understand it. But even why he's, like, trying to shoot himself in that scene where he's fighting himself. Yeah. And there's, like, these bullet holes. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand this. Yeah. Yes, because like, well, it, it's almost like either way he knows it's him. Yeah, it's almost like the earlier scene makes less sense when you know that it's him. Exactly, but but I, but I maybe part of it is that the first version of himself doesn't know it's him, so he's trying to fight. It just I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. You know what I like? Hmm. I think Robert Pattinson is just incredible. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> i know he's he's just got his like floppy but cool hair and he's just like smiling like yeah you know i know what's up he's insanely charming exactly i'm like just have that guy be on there and talk for a while like it it, like overwhelmingly i cannot like the, the feeling of having something explained to you like it's like those youth group games where it's like I'm going on a picnic and I'm bringing this. It's like everyone in the car knows what the rule is. It's like it's not fun to to have every character in a movie try over and over to explain to you why this is like totally valid as a plot. Yeah. And it's still not land for you. And that's what I'm saying with that quote at the beginning of like just feel it, don't yeah. think about it. It's like if they actually took that approach, did less expository, and actually gave the characters some like life, like like even the main character. I'm like, what is his? What's his thing? He's the protagonist. He, he's the literally his name's the protagonist. I'm like there's no like emotional stakes mm-hmm. other than the world ending, which like okay, like it's almost like there's no stakes at all because it's all the stakes. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I would be able to just actually sit back and enjoy it it's beautiful and amazing a lot of this like that fight scene where one guy is in reverse and one guy's not i can't begin or like there's uh there's a moment where there's a bunch of moments like this but when the building like explodes at the top yeah. and then like comes back and then explodes at the bottom yeah. it's like it's this is this is like visuals. the the war battle at the end 
Yeah, montage. It's incredible. Um, so there's lot, lots of cool. I love when he plays with the reverse. Yeah. Like, I'm always drawn to that stuff or like the car flipping back. Yes. The car chase is unbelievable I, to me. I, I, I've seen some of this stuff so many times now. And I just sit there and I'm like, and I, I'm not a filmmaker. I don't know anything about this mm-hmm. stuff. But I, I, you know, still sit there and I think, I, I can't even begin to imagine how you would yeah. even approach the first conversation of how do we shoot this right like it's insane it's amazing yeah and that's a huge bummer of it to me is like god take this approach and 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 simplify the ideas a little bit and all of a sudden this movie gets like 10 times more fun more satisfying to watch i'm okay with a movie and a director saying look i've got some ideas visual ideas for some action sequences that i'd like to do yeah, uh, backwards flying cars and this this war sequence, you know. I, I, yeah, I got some ideas, and this is my absolutely crazy plot to make that happen. Like, I'm okay yeah. with the weird sci-fi stuff as a conceit for him to do the fun visuals that he wants, mm-hmm. but I actually don't think that's what he was first interested in. I think he's first. Right. I think he is first interested in time loops and you know backwards and backwards entropy or whatever and let's say you keep all that stuff like i I have it on the background right now and it's that scene where he they're like uh sailing with the russian (laughs) villain and even then he's like you know pedaling this boat they're all like running around trying to keep this thing going and even they have a mic in their helmets because it's so loud them sailing yeah and even then, there's expository explanations of, like, how any of this is happening. And it's like, dude, I know. Th- no, this wouldn't be happening at all. I know. Like, it's so clearly just to, like, try to get people to, you know, begin to understand what's going on. It just drives me crazy. Okay, so this is a movie, Mitchell Tenet, that does not entirely work for you. Is that fair to say? Very fair. <laughs> Extremely but I, I also, I think sometimes our tendency or our temptation in not just in the podcast, but in like movie conversation, especially if a movie's not working for us to, or the temptation is to write it off or to just complain, to just get into that zone. And we've done plenty of that. Baby and the bathwater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think we've done, we've done plenty of that. And I think there's plenty to, um, to, to struggle with, with this movie but i want to kind of pose the question to you what and because this is part of the, what's really been the point of this podcast is what is tenant speaking to you in your life today uh, that is something that maybe it was a reflection point for you as you're watching this or was something that you were thinking about later after the fact i, I don't know take it however you want but um what what kind of thematically is happening in this movie that um, you were able to grab onto despite um, the incoherence of the plot at times and, and your flaws with it. The only thing that I can begin to latch onto is Neil's kind of uh, regular reminder of things that have happened have happened. Mm. Or is that the line? Things that are going to happen have happened? The, the kind of inevitability. Time. Yeah, but I, I so wish there was more interest in the idea of that than in the like logistical uh rollout of that idea if that makes sense 
like I'm more interested in the philosophy of it and like how do we orient our lives with that in mind of even kind of like even like free will yeah. stuff yeah. you know like this movie a lot of times feels more like a physics class than a philosophy mm-hmm. class which I, I think for it, a, the not physics all because it, be philosophical yeah because because but, you get things like he's going in reverse and now fire reacts differently. <laughs> I think it's more important to the movie to kind of prove its thesis like mathematically or with uh, like logic than it is with pr- with exploring the idea yes. of free will or the future or how things af- or how the the present, the past, the future, how they all affect each other. Yeah, because they do. Yes. And but I, I it doesn't feel like it's actually interested in that and how it, that plays out in our lives sure. day to day. But but we see that happen in the movie, right? Like the big climax with Cat and Sator on the boat of her. His name is Sator. Yeah, right. His name is Sator. Uh, <laughs> that's um, hilarious. I I don't mean uh, yeah. I'm like I don't know what his name is that. Um, the sounds like a Megazord <laughs> villain or something. <laughs> um, the the climax of Cat and Sator on the boat, where um, or, or a Dungeons and Dragons villain. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Where she gets him, or she kills him, and then throws him off the boat, and then she jumps off the boat to escape her. And she sees her herself. own self coming back onto the boat, and she had seen herself do this. So even, and it's kind of this like moment where she realizes, oh, I'm the other woman that I saw. And so right. I know that I've been successful at this thing. <laughs> and right. like I'm owning my life and future. Yeah, and there's this kind of um there's a there's a inevitability to it. We could talk about like a, a providence or a, a laid out map of the future and 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 an unfolding of things as they're gonna go. Uh, but I think for me, what I love about the Neil character is mm-hmm. You could kind of, and all of the characters, but I think Neil represents this in a really meaningful way. You could really resign yourself in a system like that when you are any of these characters in this world of inversions and and back and forth and and just kind of an awareness of the future and the past interacting and coming coming towards each other. You could look at that and say the line, which is whatever it is, is whatever happened happens or happens happened, whatever it is. Um, and then you could just kind of resign yourself to then whatever I do doesn't matter because I can't affect any change. Right. Right. And then, but then Neil and that you could resign yourself to that. And it's kind of this fatalistic approach to the world of what I do doesn't matter. To quote Andy Squires, he's got a line that I feel speaks mm. to this. Either nothing is wasted or everything mm. is. Yeah. Yeah, because there is like the the fatalistic view is nothing matters, everything is waste, Any, anything I do, like it doesn't. We're, we're, the the train is on a track, and I'm not I'm not pushing, I'm not switching the yeah. lever to change its uh, yeah. direction. But then I think the course that Neil takes is actually everything I do is is contributing to the inevitability of the future. But I play an important. I role must in continue it. to choose to do exactly. The thing. And so at the end of the film, he chooses to go back and, you know, kind of break from the, the, what was supposed to be the mission and go back and he ends up dying, but it's in order to save his friend and, and there is an inevitability to it, right? Because 
he is only there in that moment because the protagonist recruited him and the protagonist is only able to go on and recruit him because there in that moment he chooses to sacrifice himself and die so the protagonist can continue to live right Right. and he knows that but he doesn't he chooses not to view it as this fatalistic this is my sad death destiny and i'm upset about it but rather uh i, I get to choose to basically save my friend who i've enjoyed well, and, and the, the world. world yes but again the <laughs> there's we <laughs> and we talk about this but there's this it's a strange thing in, in movies and and Nolan in particular where there's like the crisis on a global level is seems too abstract and there's this impulse to bring it down to a singular it's cat and her son it, it, right it's, or, or they're the two buddy cops friendship yes and, yeah. and, and I I mean it's always interesting like why I mean, I think it's a scope issue, but why we can't just be on board with, oh, this is a global catastrophe. We should save this. Um, we have right. to make it about, and, and that's probably just human nature. We, we, we can't think in those terms. We can't think in those global terms. Um, or, yeah, or like the idea of like, no, I have to do this because if I don't do this, then I don't, I'm not even yeah. here. Uh, like I die as a child. I mean, apparently because he's cat's yeah. <laughs> so in that way he's really not all that selfless here <laughs> no but i i think i think his choice is motivated by love of his friend and of course uh, of course you know, obviously it, yeah but but it's but that's the where the conversation is the conversation is not in what he's going to do because it seems as though that choice has been made there's an inevitability right. to it but the conversation is instead what is motivating him to continue making those choices what's Right, and, and we're vent- venturing into predestination yeah. world. I I don't know. It's interesting. I, uh, I mean, there are people now who, um, you know, there's a, a big movement of people, and this has been a philosophical idea for a long time, um, that we are all living in a simulation, right? We don't have free will. Oh, right. Like, if we living, if we're living in a simulation, that we do not have free will, and there are people that are very comfortable with that reality. <laughs> and right. uh and that's been a you know a philosophical construct for for much further back than when elon musk made it um popular he's like 30 percent likelihood is all simulation <laughs> imagine just pulling that number out and staying by it um and and so in that i mean it and that's like that's just becoming this growing movement of people that are almost rejecting the notion of free will and resigning themselves to uh, uh, this weird reality well, that we're in a simulation maybe and right but that the world's gonna burn so I might as well keep living yeah and I, I actually think that sort of thing I, I think it's it's like but that doesn't change the love that I have for my wife you know well, it it's it's or my kid here even from like a you know specific theological worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know God has got his plan so in the meantime we don't need to be so responsible with our choices that's not what people say but it's how they act in their mm-hmm. lives is that 
it's like, well, the plan is laid out. He's coming back or not, you know, whatever it is, whatever your, you know, theological bent is, but there's like an inlaid excuse for you to not prepare for the future, I guess. Yeah, because we say whether God's going to do what he's going to do. Whether it's for the planet or, yeah, yeah, right. Or like I hear that sometimes as a response to even environmental. Uh, oh, that's a good. That's good. Uh, social like social response. Which is which is know? what a lot of this movie is about, right? Like the impetus right. of the future inverted people is environmental catastrophe. <laughs> and right, they're like, who should? And stop they're trying that. to stop this by destroying the world or something. I'm, I'm not sure, but there's an environment. There's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's like this environmental motivation and, and I've heard that too. I I think you were going to say like people that are not so interested in creation care or, um, concern for the environment because Jesus is going to come back or whatever. And it's, it's going to be what it is. Listen, we're going to get abducted (laughs) up. We'll be fine. The earth can burn with all the other sinners. It's the but it's the Louis C.K. thing too, where it's like it, it like if your worldview is God made this place, mm-hmm. and then you just like destroy it with you know, and by valuing you know money or power or you know all the things Jesus says not yes. to fall yeah. for, uh, like that's your number one. So like the environment's destroyed and he comes back, <laughs> like God comes back. It's like who did this to the polar bears? <laughs> look at that and that's the idea is this this kind of fatalistic view of of the of of like global warming and climate change it really flies in the face of you know i think god's uh, giving humans the the stewarding of creation we're we're called to to be good stewards take care of this we're like (laughs) you're gonna come back and clean it up anyway how do you feel about the ending the very last scene of the movie I don't remember it. <laughs> so the ending, he, right, earlier on he had given Kat a cell phone and said if she ever felt like she was in trouble or anything like that to call that number oh, right. and leave a voicemail. And you know, Oh, he this, murders that woman? And he's in the car with Priya. Yeah. And, you know, and then it, it's kind of this inverse thing where he's taking over. Or, it, it, that's not the point. The point I'm trying to make is, is the the leaving the notes for the future, the sending messages to the future, right? This electronic, you know, fingerprint that is going to re- remain and persist mm-hmm. that if you, if you know, if you want to leave a note for the future, you just send an email, you leave a voicemail and he shows up in that moment. Um, and I think like, I think there's like, that's a kind of an interesting paradigm when it comes to time travel stories, when it kind of future past interconnectedness of stories that is new to me. I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's elsewhere in the, in this kind of fiction, but um, but that's not something I've really seen explored. And I thought that was really interesting. I think there's, there's a simplicity to that. There's a, there's a reality to that, that we are doing even now, right? Like we live in a world, this is an interesting theme of Tenet is that we live in a world Every inter every interaction it, that we have with other people, for the most part, is recorded. Right <laughs> is text messages and uh, comments online or emails, and it's basically will exist in perpetuity. Right. Um, and I mean, I remember when 
when you when it used to be I mean, this is like 10 years ago you would get a new cell phone and you would carry your contacts over to the new one mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe your photos uh, but nothing else really and now you get a new iPhone and you just basically like restore to the your previous backup right and it's not like you have a new phone because you have every text message that you've sent in the last 10 years on there you have I mean this it's this digital history of your life right and and that and that's a new that really is a new paradigm for human history for the way that we think about um the 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 movement forward of time or our relationship to it um and in a way i I don't know it's just it's it's odd uh to me to see like the facebook time hop memories stuff or right um, you know, the, the iPhoto app now will say, here are some memories for you. And it just like selects random days because they're all just sitting there on my phone ready for it to access. But these are messages from the past to me. Right. Here, here are memories for you that we have. We are part of your memories. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You will be downloaded to us <laughs> soon. Yeah. And, and it, it's not as though I was thinking about this day or this weekend experience I had or this concert I went to. I wouldn't be thinking about that today. Right. Um, or even the photo. Uh, not not. Or are you talking about on Facebook? I'm talking about Facebook and the photo app on the iPhone. Right, right. The photo app on the iPhone, because I don't go on Facebook except for sell yeah. stuff on Facebook Marketplace. But if the, <laughs> the photo app just regularly just shows different ages of Abel. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right. Like, it's weirdly intimate reminders of my life. Yeah. But it, it's also like, I took that photo that, I mean, I, I chose to make that memory. It's not like mm-hmm. they're capturing stuff without me knowing and then showing, you know. Totally. It's very odd. I, I go on there and I see, I, I'm doing it right now. And on the memories for you, it's it's here's a trip to Ghana that I did. Here's a different trip to Ghana. Here's a third trip to Ghana. Here's a fourth trip to Ghana. Here's something from six years ago, totally unrelated. Like it's all these little discrete moments and memories, right. none of which happened on on this day that we're recording, but are all just random collections of things. Right. And that's just being pumped to, pumped to me. And that's like that's just so different than the way we have previously understood or interacted with our memories right which is a really interesting headspace and theme to explore yeah. that i don't think tenet does at, and like the, no it I, does at the like it hints at it you know there's lots of hinting it hints at, at more it. interesting spaces i yes i remember when that's the first scene with priya in in india where he they they do the reverse bungee jump up into her apartment and they talk to her and then it's first it's this exposition about the future and the inverted people or whatever and and it's these you know these letters these notes to the future of emails and text messages and that kind of a thing and i remember hearing that for the first time when i watched this movie and i was like that is so fascinating mm. like i want to i want to like crawl into a sci-fi novel that's all about the the all about that right the 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 trafficking of information between the past and the pre- and the past and the future right in this world where the future can go back and interact with it that's 
endlessly fascinating to I feel me. like you just explained that concept better than the movie tries to for two hours. <laughs> uh, but, but also, that's not, that's not the center. That's not the central focus of the, right, of the right. film. There's all, there's all these, like, if you would have picked that direction, yeah. this could have been a lot smoother of a, like, uh, expository. Like, yeah. like you, people would have got on board faster. Yeah, and and to me the payoff is in the last scene where he shows up, you know, at the school ready to protect Cat in that exact moment where she needs it, and because he's able to you know do this inverted because thing the and past get there. interacted with the future, interacting with the past. Now I am here, mm-hmm. and you are dead, and I work for me. Yeah, and and that's why I think I walked out of the movie theater thinking this movie was great. I mean, I still think it's you know I have good feelings about this. I'm positive about the movie, but that 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 closing moment i'm like yeah like he's he's now leveraging this new technology this new right. um technological era that we're in um as this kind of weird superhero super spy right <laughs> uh saving people and I, i'm like oh this is great like there's so many threads where i'm just like i i want that version of it i want that thing because th- these are interesting ideas that are being presented in small ways right. that could have been explored and more. And if it was explained more clearly, it wouldn't have to be, there wouldn't have to be so much hand-holding because I feel like even in that moment when he says to her, I realize you weren't the one I was working for. I was working for me the whole time. It's like, dude, yeah. <laughs> like she's going to say like, dang it, he figured it out. It was him he was working for. It's like that is so clearly for me to be like oh 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 you know yeah have that the meme with like the equation surrounding like oh figuring it out <laughs> yes well and notice that's not the effective part of that last scene the effective part of the last scene is the payoff of cat being right. able to communicate with right. him because because i don't care i don't care like who at what point he's working for like at any moment like he's just doing his stuff right I don't know. I've got positive feelings about the movie, but there are issues with it. And I think, um, you know, we're, we're talking about this movie too long, for, at least for me. For like, mm-hmm. because I don't like it, and um, I know a lot of people do, and it's probably not that fun to listen to someone complain about a movie that you like. But like, there are certain things that a movie will do that I, I will get turned off very quickly, and mm. I, I think that we have different. Uh, different you yeah I. different triggers for that i'm just kind of being okay because like i've i've found that you have a lot more grace for mo- movies in general or maybe this type of movie than i do and i'm mm-hmm. curious like what what are some things that like like what, what what are some examples of movies that you do not vibe with but like and and what what is the reason for that yeah you know i think the biggest crime a movie can commit for me is is something that is just not interesting <laughs> and tenet to me is at least interesting mm. even if it's not always working or not always good right right and so it's at least a movie that is just yeah it's at least interesting a movie that is just boring if you, it, your is, roger is ebert so offensive show of like thumbs up thumbs down your phrase would just be it's at least interesting did it, did, it, did it get that? 
I mean, I, there's so much just like bad like popcorn movie stuff that's just not interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm looking through my like low low letterbox reviews, and I think like the Russell Crowe Robin Hood from ten years ago is such a bad movie, not because it's not like you know competently made, um, right? It's it, it's directed by Ridley Scott and it stars Russell Crowe. It's just so boring. Yeah. There's nothing interesting about it, and so that i find you know i it's a waste of my time yeah what about so do you do you know what it is for you i i think that it, it's probably a similar thing with books or i mean not music so much but like respecting the intelligence of the audience yeah and so when a movie does a lot of uh like yeah i get it moments mm-hmm. that uh Puts puts like puts me off, but the thing that's bothering me also about Tenet is that it's a movie that feels like it, it's the smartest kid in the class, and yeah. it's talking down at you when yeah, it, it's like it's not that they're not respecting your level of intel. I mean, they are because they're just sure. holding your hand through the whole thing. But the thing is, they don't even know where they're going. That's what that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's it's, it's like, like we, the well actually guy. Yeah, it's like well, we have to uh, hold your hand for you to figure this out because it's very complicated, and I'm like, but you have the wrong answer mm-hmm. to the math yeah. problem. To me, yeah, to me, yeah. Maybe it's genius and I'm a dummy. Who knows? That's possible too. I I, I do like the question you asked of why we each respond differently or or what what is it about a movie that can be really bad for me or really bad for you different movies different things yeah. that, that's something i think we can continue to track as we watch more movies yeah. um and i think i think especially with what we're going to watch next week um that's that's a movie that has uh, can i say what it is yeah i mean i think we are we announce it later in like two yeah we'll, we'll announce it in a few minutes um we're watching the tree of life and tree of life we'll talk about this I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's an amazing movie. I don't think it's a perfect movie, though. I think it has some weird quirks to it, and I think it has some, uh, maybe I would even say some flaws. But, um, but I the things that I respond to, I'm 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 I respond so strongly to. I, I, it sets it apart. I respond more. I haven't seen Tree of Life. Um, yeah. I've seen other Malik fair, but not Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to watch this movie. But I responded more to the trailer of Tree of Life than all of Tenet. <laughs> yeah, there's like two shots in that. I mean, there's a a bunch of great shots in the trailer, but there's like two specific. I'm like, oh my gosh, he he's plugged into the human condition, man. I I oh, it's it's like a direct line. Yeah. I'm excited for that to, one. To, yeah. And I'm, and I'm so, excited to wrap up the tenant conversation. Yeah. Sorry, so, if you, I, I mean, sorry is, listeners, if you loved it. Hey, Matthew likes it. It's just not my cup of tea. And that's the beauty of, of talking about this stuff. Yeah, and I think what's nice is that even though we have uh, relatively ambivalent at best and maybe negative feelings about this movie on this pod... Uh, I still think this made for some interesting conversation and there's definitely interesting uh, things at work in the film and that makes it worth, worth watching at least once. Um, and the leads are charming and, and should do, oh, should do a, yeah. a, and it's a, it's a good hang. Like I, I don't mind They should it. do a nice guy's style buddy cop movie instead of yeah, this uh, yeah. physics test. Yeah. Yeah. Put, put Tenet on in the background, turn the sound off. It's beautiful. Uh, you want to move on to segments? 
Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite shot from this movie? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. I wish we, I wish we had a theme song for our segments. Oh yeah. We need to get Andy Andy to do a transitional. Oh yeah. We 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 use the intro, but like a fun like segments. Yeah. Okay. You know. Andy, if but, you're listening, uh, hit us up. Yeah. Um. I think my favorite shot is when he's getting his teeth pulled out, but it's it's just like him, like one eye is bashing and red and. There's these, like, he's framed up to where these two trains are, like, kind of meeting at his head, but in the, like, foreground. Yeah. Like, because he's in the middle. I know what you're talking about. Yes. And, like, he, it, because you just pulled it up, I'm like, this feels very, uh, this feels very lived in. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to explain why this, and, like, even the film grain is bumped up on this shot. Yeah. Um, And it feel, it feels like a, a, like I okay, I'm contrasting this right now with uh, they're in the inverter thing and everything's bathed in red and he's talking to the beret guy who's saying we're gonna go, go on this mission, and it feels so far from reality. Yes, and I'm like this guy, this this uh, train shot though. One, what's the actor's name again? Uh, John David Washington. Yeah, he's crushing this, and he gets to act a little here. Yeah. I feel like most of the movie he's just like the intense guy. Yeah, but this is like the revenge origin i feel like but then they don't capitalize on it yeah you know? um no no you i mean and what the shot you're talking about is right in the beginning of the movie and yeah. and it is weird because it feels very it, does it feel different than a lot of the rest of it yeah it feels like it stands in contrast with so much of the rest yeah. of the movie um like you right now you're landing on the the scenes that i'm yeah, talking about yeah we're looking through some stills from the film yeah, uh, and and it just it feels uh, visually uh, very different, um, like you talked mm-hmm. about. Um, but it 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 feels like a spy movie, you know. Yeah. Like, um, it it just kind of. It feels more uh, composed. Yeah. Like there's actual composition and thought. Yeah. And more so. And obviously that's happening everywhere in the movie, but. But it's like I think the movie is so weighted down by a lot of the action stuff, um, and talking, and the exposition. Um, but the action stuff really becomes the master of the shots. Yeah, and the composition, well, th- you know what that's, I'm saying? that's something that like as you talk about that one truck scene in The Dark Knight, yeah. and you can perfectly visualize yeah, it and see it in it, your head. Yeah. The, the, there aren't a lot of moments in it as great as the action is in yeah. this movie. There's not a lot of moments where it's like burned in my brain. Yeah. Now, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, it's funny. So the reason I had that still pulled up mm-hmm. because it's also my favorite shot of the movie. <laughs> Dang. Uh, our first double favorite shot. Yeah. Um, I, and I, uh, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> even going to pretend to be like, Oh no, I have a different favorite shot. Uh, <laughs> that's the only shot that's the only shot in the movie <laughs> no yeah yeah i mean i could i could talk about sequences i could talk about um a lot of the inverted stuff was interesting when the waves are mm-hmm. going backwards i thought that was a cool image um but this is a good shot from a movie this is a good thing <laughs> right like, this is like a visually appealing thing that you commit to film <laughs> right the, the rest of it feels either informed by the high concept or 
um, is in service of you know these big action sequences, and all of it works. I don't know. I, I'm give me something with Ro- Robert Pattinson giving him a wry smile, and I'm also happy. But um, that's that's not that's not about a shot. That's about an actor, and this to me is a yeah. is a really well uh, put together shot. So I get the same one. Yeah. I also like when the um, shipping container door lifts up mm. and he's walking into yeah. the inverted world for the first time. Yeah, that's a good like sequence. The lighting's nice. Yeah, like his face when it first pops up with the mask. Yeah. But I do really like the way the um, all the kind of sci-fi turnstile inversion stuff looks and feels. None of it feels mm-hmm. like some magic machine, you know, super crazy futuristic technology. I, you don't even really see the technology. It's just basically like a a, a rotating um, right. door in a shipping container, and, right. and and I actually really like that. So you don't get bogged down in anything. There's no right. scientists at a you know at a console saying we got to get the levels right. right. <laughs> the lightning is like going through everything. Yeah. And the rating or the the readings are off yeah and and what it allows him to do is create this very fluid thing where you go in one side and you come right out the other and you're now inverted and so those scenes feel very dynamic and fluid and they are exciting to watch right Right. as confusing as it is um and to, to you know to watch the characters speaking backwards and the uh, the 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 sound waves not translating across the blah 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 right. um it, it's there is such movement in these scenes and then to him come back and now is surrounded by these soldiers or whatever um that are like ready to ready to go like who all know more than yeah him. yes yes again it's it's like okay what's what is going on but, but he's the one that finds or like starts tenant the organization yeah and he trained them all in the future somehow. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> like, because he can't show up as himself to tell himself. That's against the rules. Um, but he can fight himself. I thought they at one point said that if you come in contact with your yeah, but, other self. But it, has, but it has to be like a conscious thing. And he didn't. But, but the future him did know. So I don't know. Who cares? Exactly. Who cares? Take the dialogue away, because who cares? All right. You gave us your... um... Two and a half. Yeah. Four if there was no dialogue. Two and a half for the visuals, though. And that that car's chasing. Two and a half. That's uh, brutal. (laughs) I... I I don't know. I'm very particular. Yeah. Like, like, in ways that if, like, if something bugs me, like, I, I just don't like feeling talked down to or explained yeah. for a whole movie yeah i think that's fine because i just keep having like they're just doing this to like try to get it explained to me like like part of why he feels like a cardboard cut out the protagonist is because he's you know a stand-in for us as an audience so that everything can be explained to him so that can be explained to us yeah but, which feels kind of i don't know feels cheap yeah and it's this weird thing because uh, uh, you know they're kind of cliche you'll hear is like show us don't tell us right 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 and i feel which is hard to do which is like really hard to do (laughs) yeah so when a movie does it well it's amazing uh this movie's a good example of how hard it is because they're showing a hell of a lot but right they also feel telling even more they're telling even more and it still doesn't make that much sense (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) i've seen the part where the the 
car explodes, but it really freezes him. Yeah. And it's like, right. <laughs> yeah, because... It's like things are not only moving in reverse, but are just the opposite. On, on like the molecular energy. level, the energy is moving into... It. Right. And it, but I'm it like, feels even like very selective about that too. It's like... No, totally. It's like, okay, th- this, this doesn't really work. And it's fine. Like the air in your lungs would be, you need your own air. It's like, okay, are all molecules like different? <laughs> Why does why aren't the the cells in your body just imploding? Right. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Wouldn't the hydrogen in your blood be like, well, never mind, I'm something else. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that's mine. What would? So you what, gave it. You change your score. So when I rewatched it in like December or something, the score it got was a four stars out of five. Mm-hmm. I was very struck because on second viewing, I just did not care about the plot. Yeah, which sounds like a more fun way to watch it. Yeah, and I, I, I just re- like literally just wasn't thinking about it. And, um, and I was just like having a great time watching these guys be charming and have fun. Um, mm. And then revisiting it this week, it's, it's, it loses a little bit because again, I, you know, it's like, Oh, I've got to come. I've got to, I have to come to terms with a lot of what's happening here. And right. It, it just doesn't work. So I don't know, three and a half, four stars. That's, that's where I'm at. I, 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 I definitely like it more than you, but um, it's got a lot of problems. Yeah. It just it's just not my my cup of tea. Yeah, part I, I like. and if other people love it, that's awesome. It's just not my thing. I this this is a weird movie in that there's there are a couple of movies over the last fifteen months that are always going to mean something to me. One of them is Tenet, and because it's the first movie I saw, right, right, in a theater after they kind of reopened, and then Minari is going to be the one that I saw when movie theaters really did reopen. <laughs> Right. And The Invisible Man is going to be the last movie I saw in a theater before the pandemic. And I remember it, it was wow. like probably the first week of March. And I remember sitting in there and somebody behind me was coughing. And I was so stressed out about that. Oh, my gosh. I think Jojo Rabbit was the last one I saw. Oh, uh, but really? Like it was a late showing of it yeah. after it had been out for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Early yeah. spring kind of and thing. And yeah, the, everyone in the theater was like, uh huh. Like it is doom impending. It was like turns out yes, <laughs> yes. That was that was crazy. But that movie had such a like we're gonna be all right at the end. Yeah, everybody gets to it's come like, out of their houses and dance. Yeah, <laughs> should rewatch that uh, now that it seems like COVID's dying down a bit. Uh, I Megan watched that on our uh, plane ride home from Ghana in the fall mm. and I was watching something else, but I kept l- looking over at her during key moments of that movie because it's such a r- roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> it's a weird, movie. it's a weird movie. Uh, <laughs> we're just, this happened before we start recording too. It's like any excuse to talk about any movie that's not tenant. It's like, anyway, Jojo rabbit though. <laughs> on that note, next week on the pod, uh, we are very excited for what we have coming next. Uh, I, I, just in all transparency and honesty, uh, Mitchell and I were having a conversation about trying to get back to, well, not get back to, but just kind of re- remind ourselves of what our original intent with starting this was. Um, and what was that, Mitchell? Uh, well, well, partly it was an excuse to 
I mean, okay, mainly it was an excuse for us to watch movies that we want to watch. But, like, like, you know, wanting to watch a movie should be an excuse in of in itself. But if <laughs> I have to because I have to talk about it for an hour, I'm way more inclined to to finally check some off my watch list. Yeah, you said this last week or a couple weeks ago when we watched Aliens, right? Like, yeah. Aliens was something you wanted to see for a long time, but when were you going to sit down and watch it? Right, yeah. right. And so part a big part of it is the curation yes. side of like, we also don't want to talk about movies that one, we weren't excited to jump into or, or, you know, recommend even. Yes. And so that in mind, that in mind, we are celebrating a anniversary this week. Uh, this, this last week of May, May 27th to be exact, um, this pod, uh, the, the episode of the pod is going to come out a little bit after that, but, uh, May 27th is the 10 year anniversary of Terrence Malick's absolute masterpiece of a movie, the tree of life, tree of life, yeah. 2011 stars, Brad Pitt, Jessica Chastain, Sean Penn is also in it. Um, it, it's one of my favorite movies of all time period. Uh, it is one of very few movies where I can say there was a, there were moments in the movie where I was like gobsmacked and like almost breathless of, mm. oh my goodness, I can't, this is like affecting me in a way that I was not prepared for coming into this movie. Right. Um, and I, so I haven't really revisited it in a few years. Mitchell, you've never seen this, correct? Never seen it. I've only seen from Terrence Malick, Badlands and A Hidden Life. When did you watch Badlands? You know, it's funny. We've I, I got Sarah the Criterion DVD at Badlands oh. when we were like first dating. Oh, and I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of bold. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea why. I think maybe she said that she loved the Thin Red Line. Oh, okay. And so I was like, just in my head, like, oh, Terrence Malick movies, but I had no idea what Badlands was. And I thought the cover was cool. So so we had it on DVD and we watched it this past summer. Okay, so you watched it for the first time this past summer. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wild movie. But, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. It's crazy. <laughs> so I'll have to say very new to Terrence Malick, but A Hidden Life was fantastic. And we saw that together yeah. a couple months before COVID yep. hit. Yep. And... um there, there's a spiritual heaviness and weight to his movies that I'm interested yes, in. Absolutely. Like, like Parasite was my favorite movie of the year in general. Just uh, as like 2019. Movie, yeah, just as movie making goes. But I feel like I walked away feeling the most with a hidden life and thinking about my life and you know yeah. what it means and what I care about. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that interesting thing um, when we talk about like our love for movies. Like, I can look at a movie and objectively say this is like just extraordinary filmmaking, and right. that's like the Parasite, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? And then there's the this is extraordinary filmmaking, and it is like reaching into my heart in a way, right? <laughs> is just crazy, and that's a hidden life. That's a that's some of the Malik stuff for me. That's Tree of Life for me. Um, yeah. So Tree of Life is, uh, it's like a weird movie cause it's not like super available on streaming right now. Um, you can rent it. 
um, on all the platforms. You can buy it digital. Buy it because it's so good. And we highly, highly recommend. I've never seen it, and I highly <clears> recommend <throat> because good people like it. Yes, it's amazing. Uh, so I am super excited uh, to have a reason, like we were just talking about, uh, to revisit this movie. Um, and I think, Mitchell, you probably feel the same in, in, in like having a reason to watch it. Um, yeah, I have to. Yeah. Gosh darn it! <laughs> uh, it's funny when I when I was uh, in college studying movies, I, I you know, it's always that it's that funny thing because I say it was like a lit degree, but instead of reading books like you did for college, we watched movies. Mm-hmm. Except you know, and the joke is like, oh, I I didn't read the book, I watched the movie in high school or whatever. Uh, right. Except uh, when you're in uh, the film program. It's, I didn't watch the movie. I read the plot summary on Wikipedia. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Even it felt like you're studying film. Like, yeah, I didn't watch it. <laughs> His use of lighting is. Yeah. Wikipedia, especially those old movies have a great, usually have great sections on the uh, legacy and uh, filmmaking impact. So you just uh, read that. You, you know, you'd be good to go. I should just start a podcast for any good, uh, you know, habit I want to form in my life. Yeah. And that's what I was, that's what I was getting at is, uh, yeah. this podcast actually makes me want to watch these. Cause I have to speak more than a, answering a professor's question in a lecture the next time. Right. Uh, we should start a book club. <laughs> like, well, I have to read it because we have a freaking podcast coming up about it. All right. Uh, in the meantime, well, where can people find us Mitchell on Instagram at movies while they sleep. And, uh, but I'm not sure exactly when this episode's coming out. But we had a bit of a, a bit yeah. of a gap week with the graduate. But um, we saw uh, like favorites. a gap year. Oh gosh! <laughs> uh, ah, <laughs> we've got favorite shots on there. Some uh, some fun coming attraction notifications. Love those. And I don't know. We'll, we'll try to. We'll, we'll we'll be making more content here in a second, and possibly some merch. Yes. Um, yeah. Again, apologies for the weird uh, scheduling these couple of weeks. Um, Mitchell and I both traveling and weddings and all kinds of stuff. And we typically record these on the weekends. So um, at night, at night. Uh, anyways, but we love we love doing this and we're doing our best to keep this going every single week. So we're hoping not to miss weeks um, in the future. But, you know, have have grace for us and keep giving us ratings on iTunes. Right yes review and rate the pod on apple podcasts because we're told it helps it get heard that's right that's what we need well that wraps up tenant and we will see you next week for the tree of life check it out everyone good night y'all bye you know why this movie bombed it's because they wear masks for half the movie and people are like stop it i don't want to see that